All right, so we're live again. So, <laughs> or I'm live Perfect. again. You're live yeah. for the first time. So, you know what? For the people that um, did pop in, because there was some people, sadly, that got to hear that big train wreck on Podbean. It was showing me there was people on there. But um, for people that had listened, we've not ever used the Podbean live feature. And I kind of got yelled at by my um, by one of my editors. It's like, you need to start using the live feature because the way that Podbean, and I guess probably a lot of distribution companies does it, is they give you like like points and it increases your algorithms if you use all their things. Well, I got on there on the back end and to test it out and it looked pretty fairly easy. But here's the thing. When I click live, it looked nothing like the test. Like nothing was the same. <laughs> and there was nothing on my end. I don't know what you could see, but on my end, I could see you were on there. No option to add you at all that I could see. So anyway, weird. So it's fine. We love StreamYard. Uh, we do love Podbean. Podbean's a great distribution, and I'm sure it's great with lives. Just I apparently don't know what I'm doing, so, and that's all right. So I, as, as for people that typically watch the show, you can tell I'm not in my studio, my bookshelf. Um, I'm at home. The four-year-old woke up this morning and said that her belly was hurting, so we are watching cartoons here in my living room. So if you hear little kitty sounds in the background, that would be the four-year-old. So it has been a um, chaotic day, hence the name Successfully Chaotic, where we're all just trying to be successful in the midst of the chaos. So I want to introduce our guest who has so far already been through the ringer of this entire process. <laughs> so um, Ben, I'll let you go ahead and just kind of dive in, introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are. Yeah. So my name is Ben Steinbacher. Um, I'm a life coach and my biggest heart's passion or what I do is I take men who do not have their identity, their purpose. They don't know their gifts, why they're here on life, uh, why they're here on earth, like, like what they're doing. And they've yet to really tap into that thing that makes them who they are. And I help bring that to life. Whatever it is, their purpose, their, their inner, their mission, um, that thing that lights them up. And a lot of what that is uh, in society we teach we teach men we teach people getting it right like a lot of times for a woman it's uh it's be pretty it's um be a good mom be good at work be a good wife be a good cook be all these things so with men it's have the right answers have money be successful have an attractive partner all these things and I teach people to let go of that and to really tap into that thing their heart that that makes them who they are, it makes them special. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as a woman, I, I do know a lot of the struggles uh, with a lot of the stereotypes, especially being a mom, there's more stereotypes that kind of yeah. goes in with that. But I've not ever obviously been a, a, a male in the world. And, you know, I think sometimes we do forget that there are stereotypes that exist on that end as well. So I love that you are, you know, taking on that challenge to be yeah. able to figure out, you know, yeah. those stereotypes and be able to give them the path that they need to take to get out of that. Mm -hmm. How did yeah. you get involved with that? Other than the fact that you're a man, how did you get involved Ooh. with that? How did I get involved with that? Um, about six years ago, I helped open a sales and marketing business. And a lot of my job was to teach leadership because teaching sales, a lot of it is leadership. Um, and as I was doing that, the biggest thing that I realized is most people they still struggled in some way with their own sense of self-worth. They struggled in some way with um, believing that they were worthy or that they had something to offer. And a lot of what I taught instead was I, I almost reparented people. 
and I just taught them how to have a healthy relationship with themselves, how to not beat themselves up. And as I did that, and it was me and five women that helped open this company. And every single time there's a man hired into the company, they would send him in my direction. Some days I was expected to mentor him. I started seeing these commonalities. I started seeing these patterns and I went into the nonprofit world, so on and so on, and kept mentoring men and saw the same things over and over and over again emotionally that were holding men back from ever feeling worthy, from having healthy romantic relationships, from all these things, from ever stepping into leadership. And so as I saw this, like my heart went out to it, and it was a lot of my story as well. And so I decided to, uh, as I opened my own life coaching business, to start teaching that primarily and start taking this this dire need that there is for men to understand themselves, masculinity, vulnerability, leadership, their heart, authenticity, all these things and just start teaching them. So as far as that goes, like what what is your biggest passion? Like what is your biggest challenge when did- the biggest challenge that I have is most men don't trust other men. A lot of it comes from many men don't trust anybody because we're raised in a society that partially tells you to be a self-made man and that being a self-made man means doing everything on your own, not asking for help, uh, being successful on your own. It, it touts the individual over the collective whole or the society. And also, many men develop their idea of, of men, of who God is, of how the way the world works, of all these things through who their own father is. And a lot of times that they associate uh, their own fathers untrustworthy in some ways or not always being there or with over half the marriages ending in divorce and their father not always being there, they learn to distance themselves and say, I don't need other men. I don't need God. I don't need uh, anything masculine or that they perceive as masculine in their life. And they just decide I'm going to do it all by myself. And that's the biggest challenge over and over again that I get is how do I build trust with someone who doesn't trust almost anyone and who also doesn't want to acknowledge that they don't trust people? Because very few men will just outright say, I don't trust any other man. But it's even the, 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 the challenge of leadership is a lot of men find the same problems in every single male leader, every single leader that they found in their father, and they naturally look for reasons to not trust, to not like, to not believe, to push away. And so just to be able to be that space that's firm enough to call it out, but gentle and soft enough to hold and allow for them to work through it in their own way, that, that's the biggest challenge that I experience. So I know in your questionnaire, you mentioned um, in your answers that you had started a couple of businesses and, you know, I'm sure there was lots of ups and downs along the way. Can you kind of share with everybody kind of a little bit about your journey with that? Yeah. So when I helped open a sales and marketing business about six years ago, I think I think the ups and downs were to move to start over and do this thing with a very little support system. And to have no one other than uh, just the the six of us to, to rely on, to lean on to those things, there was essentially, can I hold this or, or how do I hold this? How do we, how do we keep this thing going um, with just us in a new market, new place, doing these things? And so that, so that was huge. And I think the other thing was it just taught such a level of resiliency, of strength, of, of so many things. And 
it was that taking on so many things, taking on so many things at once when, when, um, when opening that one business and doing it all while working maybe 90 hours a week. And so that was huge. And I think with the second one, there is the question that I ask and I wonder is, are some people ever ready to fully bet on themselves? And in a lot of ways, being an entrepreneur means fully betting on yourself because if you don't show up for work, no one's smacking you on the hand and saying, Dad, um, hey, Cammie. And if you don't, um, and if you, at some times, you have to trust yourself to be able to make money work. If you say this month, I need to make $5,000, $10,000, I need to do this in order to pay everything off, in order to make sure this happens. And even as you grow, or, or as I grow, for instance, one thing as I took on, um, I hired different people to do things for me. Some of them were friends. And so there was that desire to make it work. That way I could pay them. Even as I took on a virtual yeah. assistant, I was like, okay, I'm putting myself in a situation where I'm trusting that I will find a way to come through this month, even though I have no clue how. And it's, um, I think it's that for me, is are you willing to consistently bet on yourself or God, whatever you believe in, that it will work out, even though there's no secure paycheck and you don't know what's going to happen. I remember um, two months ago, I got COVID and I was like, okay, this could take me out for two weeks and I still need to make money somehow. How can I do this? And so it's, it's things like that, that I, um, I would say is the biggest challenge I've experienced. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the reasons that I do this show and want to talk to people is to let people know the different journeys, you know, because I think a lot of times when we get into business ownership, we go through this idea that, you know, as soon as we start a business, you know, the phone's going to be ringing, we're going to be bringing in bank, everything's going to be perfect, you know, we're going to be, especially with this work from home thing, it's like, yeah, work from home, that sounds amazing. Now it doesn't for me because I have children here, but for some people, they think that sounds great. But, you know, as far as, you know, as far as like, just the whole business ownership journey. It's just like every other part of life within life. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be chaos. I mean, today is proof of it. This is, this is why my show is called chaotic because, you know, I can have everything lined out and planned out for the day, but life happens. Didn't plan on the four-year-old getting sick. I live in the middle of nowhere. So my internet, even though I have a box just for doing this is iffy at best. So, I mean, a lot of times what you're going to be doing is going to be making the best of a non-perfect situation. And, you know, I love that you're, that you, you know, kind of have this outlook of, you know, what can I do even if, you know, that what can I do even if that resourcefulness, that positive outlook, I think, you know, takes you pretty far. Do you find, um, I, I work with some men on my consulting company business, but, you know, with coaching and with my wellness company, all that, it, I primarily get females. I don't target females primarily for the most part, but I just, I don't know, I'm a female. So just like attract other females. Um, Do you find with men that, that idea of, um, I don't even want to say resourcefulness, but the idea of planning to pivot, I guess would be another way of saying that. Do you think that that is harder for men to kind of you know, go with the flow on things and not be completely perfectly planned? Or do you, do you feel that that is an easier thing for them in your perspective and with your experience? Yeah, that's a great question. And the thing that I wonder is if in some ways a woman's role changing more makes 
or enables her to be more adaptable. Because at some point, there's this expectation for a lot of women that motherhood, it's something you've got to figure out no matter what. And I think with men, a lot of what we're taught and even a lot of what is touted for men is science. It's very predictable things. It's spreadsheets. It's, it's, it's having the right answers. It's these things. So I do see, like even in the world, I see so many more women that are just killing it. Even in leadership, I see so many more women that are killing it. Even in, you look, read be, lead, the best leadership books coming out right now. I mean, yes, you've got John Maxwell, you've got Simon Sinek, but you have a lot of women just creating incredible like leadership books and, and teaching us men so much. And so I, I think what I do see is, I would sum it up like this. I think with women, there's this mentality that's taught in our society. I'll, I'll say more for men. There's this uh this thing that's taught in our society that as a man you cannot fail and failure equals you being a bad person or not worthy or unlovable you have to be successful you have to be a provider you have to always have money coming in and so that is what i see the most is that fear of failure and because of that fear of failure i think a lot of times it paralyzes a lot of men where they're so afraid of that failure that they get stuck on that rather than saying, okay, how can I be a no matter what? How can I be the type of person who makes this happen no matter what? And that's what I've seen a lot in the entrepreneurial world. Absolutely. Do you feel that, I mean, I, I feel that when listening to you talk, I feel like that there's a lot of negative aspects to those expectations. Which I think all in all stereotypes are very negative and not healthy yeah. um, because it's putting people in a box of what they're supposed to think and yeah. do. Um, for the men out there, do you feel that, you know, that feeling of being paralyzed, do you feel that that causes them not only not to act, but to not even feel that there is a reason to try to do literally anything do you think that's causing a lot of the problems that we see kind of with men in general um, and, I'm, and I'm not calling men out here because there's plenty of women problems yeah, too that yeah. we're not talking about right at this point but do you feel that a lot of those stereotypes of you know you should be a good provider you should be very successful and you mentioned early on you know you should have the perfect spouse the you know perfect everything do you think those expectations are directly responsible for a lot of the problems that we're seeing with men in our society? Yes, but I'm going to take it back even younger. From my understanding, boys are more, baby boys are more expressive than baby girls. Even toddler boys are more expressive than toddler girls. And there's a certain age, I believe it's around three or four, where they learn to stop being emotional because they see it's a bad thing. So they learn to distrust their own emotions. Because when you show emotions as a boy, it's like, stop crying, that's bad, blah, 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 blah. And so even from a young age, you're taught you're a don't matter. What matters is showing up a certain way in the world. That's what's uh, taught to you even from the time you're a little kid. Even a little kid, you're four or five years old and people teach you don't cry, put some dirt on it if, if you fall down and get hurt. And so I think it's more so that is that many men have these very unique passions or things that are put inside of them, gifts, whatever. But if you're taught in an environment where those things don't matter and all that matters is providing, all that matters is producing, all that matters is showing up no yeah. matter what, then you get stuck doing a business job that you hate 
for years and years because it's what you should do. And that's a lot of what I've seen in my working life and working career. But then again, I was also one of those men who did that. And it was in a job that I would say at times didn't always resonate with me. And so I saw that in other people. Um, but I wonder in other companies if that's always the same. But um, yeah, that, that's been my observation. I think that's fairly common. Um, you know, like we've mentioned several times, there's definitely stereotypes in lots of areas. And, you know, I, I know a lot of the stereotypes that I've kind of faced as a woman, but what I've seen as a man, and I've watched, you know, male loved ones go through the same thing as much to your point, is that, you know, it's almost like they're not giving the ability to dream you know, because they're supposed to go and make the money for the family. You know, they, you know, they, they're not given that ability to be able to dream in a lot of ways that, you know, women are given the ability to dream a, a lot more in, in many situations, in most situations that I've been, but, you know, there's negatives on that side too, because, you know, much, much like we were talking about that, you know, if something changes, especially in my household, if something changes, it's Maria that's changing, you know, and, you know, that's my role. And I've kind of, fell into it. And trust me, I mean, I have my times where I'm like, oh, why is it always me that's changing? You know, yeah. sick kid, it's automatically, there's not even a discussion. Maria's yeah. changing. You know what I mean? yeah. And so, I mean, there are those, those stereotypes on both sides. And I think it's really unfortunate a lot of times though, that these kind of exist because, you know, for me, when I decided to, to leave my job and go out on my own, it wasn't even questioned that I was yeah. leaving my job to go out on my own. But in retrospect, also, when I've had to travel for work, you know, it's like, well, wait, what about the kids? How are you traveling? But then my husband can be gone for two weeks. And it's like, oh, he's such a good provider. Yeah, him, you know, type of thing. So, I mean, there's these stereotypes. And I think they're actually very unfortunate. And I love that you kind of address these things because they need to be talked about. Because I, I don't think most people intend to have these stereotypes. I don't think it's like they sit and think about, oh, I want to be, you know, very judgmental and stereotypical about these things. I don't think that's like a cognitive thought that they have. It just accidentally kind of happens. And, you know, we, all, we almost accidentally fall into these roles without even realizing it. With your coaching, do you dig into these stereotypes a lot? Is this something that you end up digging into or is it something that is kind of a byproduct of a lot of the other things that you're doing? I would offer it's more of a byproduct. I think, I think these things exist and that there are commonalities and that it doesn't exist among all men. Like the thing that's interesting about businesses or, or that I found is people want to be able to see themselves in you. If you're the, the business owner, if you're the coach, if you're the whatever, so I attract people who are somewhat similar to me in some way, or they're similar threads. And so like the last uh, men's group that I did, everything that I'm sharing was just a commonality. It wasn't even something that I think needed to be addressed because it was something that almost every man had. So it was more so a space of what do we do from here? And there was some elements of bringing light to it. There's definitely some elements of bringing light to it. But I think so many men already came and showed up with an awareness of uh, this isn't who I want to be. And the thing is, is I believe that you can only be in a romantic relationship with a female for so long without being able to tap into your heart, without being able to be vulnerable, without being able to, to fully trust and surrender in some ways to them, without really being able to go there before they bring it up as a problem whether it's a year, three years, five years, 10 years, like it's going to come sooner or later. And so even some of the men, even if it wasn't their 
idea or origination, their wife would say, hey, like, maybe you should do this. Like, it would be really good if you could learn to express your emotions and we could have a relationship that actually is deeper than it's been. Or a girlfriend that's like, oh, my goodness, tell me about what you thought about this week. It's like, you know, they were, in my opinion, when I would hear the, the wives and girlfriends talk about um, their perspective, that is when I would get just as excited knowing the ripple that it was having. And also the men, I think, would understand um, how much more connecting way of being it was for them to be able to tap into their heart. The other thing that I would offer is being able to tap into your heart, there's so much power there for anybody, anybody. And if it's something that you've yet to learn, then there's so much potential there, whether it's from a passion, a purpose, a work, a leadership, a romantic, a anything space, a friendship space. And so I found it just even teaching men how to do that, like so many light bulbs would go off. Do you think that as a whole society, we've done kind of a poor job at equipping boys and, you know, to be men in such a way where they feel that they're allowed to tap into their emotional side? Because, you know, it's kind of, you, you hear those, a lot of those sayings, well, boys will be boys. And, you know, all these sayings, these cliche sayings that, I mean, I've said them too, and I don't mean anything by them. But, yeah. you know, I, I do think there, again, kind of goes into this, this idea that girls are more emotional than boys are, which I have boys and girls. And, you know, yeah. sometimes they are, and sometimes they are not, you know, it just kind of, kind of yeah. depends. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, yeah. it just goes back to people and it really, mm-hmm. you know, it goes back to each individual. Some individuals are just more emotional than other individuals yeah. are. It has nothing to do with gender. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that is, you know, that we're kind of doing a, a poor job at allowing these boys to understand that it's okay, you know, to be emotional, that that doesn't make them less manly. Yeah. I think societally, you look at school and the education system. And I think what we teach is we teach people how to pass tests and to learn a certain set of skills. And we don't really teach emotional health or emotional regulation or or any of these things or goal setting or or how to want to be something and to make it happen. Um, We don't teach these things to anybody boys or girls growing up, unless you go to a private school, a charter school system or something. And so it's just not something that's valued. And so even even girls, if you learn other places through other female friends you have or from your mom, older sister, great, but it, it's just not something that's taught. It's something that you have to learn on your own. And we're crossing our fingers that parents are teaching their kids these things, their kids are learning them somewhere else. And so I think as a, a whole, like we could say, yes, um, boys, but I think even right now, and you look at our world, like um, you see such levels of stress, anxiety, depression, things like that. And it's because emotional health or regulation just as a whole isn't taught anywhere. And I think it's, yeah. it's more there's a stigma even for men. If you have a counselor or a therapist, there, there's just a stigma there that doesn't exist as much so with women seeing a therapist or someone. No, I agree. It's almost expected. I don't, I can't tell you one female friend that I know that does not have a therapist. It's almost like, well, I have a therapist. I mean, it's it's almost, yeah, yeah, like a, like a rite of passage, but you know, I think, I I think you're right on the fact that very few men, even if they're seeing a counselor or a therapist probably feel that they could be as, you know, forthcoming about it just because of, you know, risk of judgment on, well, why are you seeing a, why are you seeing a therapist, you know, type of thing, because they automatically assume it's like a major, major, 
you know, issue. And I mean, and even if it is, it's nobody's business, but you know, that automatic jump to judgment instead of it just being the fact that, you know, having a safe, non-judgmental space to share your feelings is an important step for anybody. Yeah. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. Spot on. I wonder what's been your experience. It seems like you're uh, a high achieving, been in multiple industries, experienced a lot of life. I wonder what have you seen as you've gone out into the world that really stood out to you as you've started a business and even been in businesses? Um, what stood out to you? As far as from a female perspective or what I've seen wow. from the male? From the female perspective, I think a lot of the same kind of problems that have been there probably will always be there is, you know, if you are, you know, in a team environment, a lot of times the male in the situation will typically be leading, even if they're not in the a leadership role. I've kind of seen that yeah. a little bit. Um, you do end up having to deal with a lot of, you know, kind of borderline sexual harassment issues. Um yeah. You know, and, it, and it's always kind of one of those things. I'm pretty laid back and jokey and I can joke with the best of them, like one of the guys, yeah. but there is a line, you know, there's a line. And I think yeah. it can be kind of tricky to figure out where that line is sometimes, probably for men as well as women, you know, try to figure out where that line is. And also, you know, feeling comfortable if it is something that kind of crosses some boundary to feel comfortable enough to say that it crosses the boundary, you know, without making a huge issue of it. Cause I think as a woman, you know, even times where I've had, you know, a lot of these kind of iffy situations go on. I also don't want the judgment and the stigma of saying anything because there's almost a stigma that's related to that too. You know, that, you know, yeah. yes, I could be jokey, but sometimes if something is, you know, across the lines, across the line. So I think those yeah. are some of the problems that's kind of always been there. Um, and, you know, another thing, you know, like I mentioned before, was just the issue of having, you know, children and owning a business. Speaking of children, my kid's coming over here. Apparently she wants to join us. So, yeah, um, yeah. so here we are. So, yeah. um, you know, having children and being able to, you know, work, I, I can't prove that it's ever happened, but um, on my end anyway, but I've known that there has been discussions where I've been in the room for other people that, mm -hmm. you know, if it's a male, they get promoted much easier. And, and then there's a lot of females that are getting promoted, but if they have children, I've noticed they're less likely to get promoted because it's seen as baggage. I mean, and, yeah. you know, and I mean, and it kind of, I mean, as a business owner, you know, I, I kind of understand on one, I mean, still wrong, but I kind of understand on one, you know, it is harder, you know, today, this is the way that this is all going, not even close to what it's planned out, you know? So, I mean, if there is some instances to say, you know, that, you know, somebody without, you know, all of these extra things I have to think about may be able to focus harder on the job. But at the same time, I don't think it's right for anybody to say, you know, how you should live your personal life as long as you're getting your job done, you know, type of thing. Yeah. So I, I do think that that kind of still exists. And then, you know, much like I said before, you know, just the issue of traveling and, you know, before COVID, I was traveling quite a bit and it was very much a judgment on the fact that I was traveling, even though my husband travels a lot, you know, and yeah. there was this kind of split on, I traveled and people were so worried about our entire life and how everybody was going to function, but he traveled and, you know, he was an amazing provider. And, you know, I understand again, that there are, these 
preconceived notions that people don't even realize are kind of wrong, you know, to have those preconceived notions. But at the same time, you know, as, you know, as a woman business owner, just because I have children doesn't mean that I don't have drive to do other things. It doesn't mean I still don't have dreams and goals and all these things. And I think, you know, as a, as a woman and as a mom with mom, cause I have seven children. So as, as a mom yeah. with like all the children, you know, wow, I think it, yeah. it is, you know, kind of, there's this preconceived notion that, you know, I should just be happy staying home and, you know, cooking and cleaning and, you know, whatever all day. And I'm not, that's just not my personality. I'm not, I've yeah. done that. I've, I've done the stay at home thing. But I'm not happy when I'm only staying at home. And I think there is, there's almost like a, a shame that comes along with me saying that sometimes because, yeah. it, you know, as a mom, you should be happy just staying home and spending, you know, 24 hours a day with your kids. And I love my kids. I love them 24 hours. Do I want to spend 24 hours of every day only doing that? No. And it doesn't make me love them any less. You know, I love them. Yeah. But, you know, I think that there is something to be said for still allowing women to have, you know, drive and passion and goals, even yeah. if they have children. So, you know, that, I guess that hopefully answers your question. I don't know if you have kids or not, but no. So, I mean, you know, I've heard dads say similar things that, you know, they, they feel guilty, you know, they feel that guilt of being gone a lot, like if they have to work all the time, but they also feel the pressure of being the sole provider, you know, like we were talking earlier that, you know, it's, it's again, expected that the men provide. So a lot of times if the women choose to stay home, that's accepted, you know, but it's not as accepted when the, when the man decides to stay home, it's starting to get a little better, but, you know, I've had a couple of friends who, you know, the women, they discussed it and just with the insurances and the way everything worked out, the, the mom going back to work made more financial sense and the dad stayed yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. And there was a stigma, you know, that it was like, oh, yeah. well, you just stay at home with the kids. Uh, their friends would can, well, would call it babysitting. Well, you have to babysit all day, you know, and they're like, well, I'm not babysitting, it's my kid. <laughs> that type thing. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. there is, there's those stigmas on both sides that really I think is unfortunate because, you know, there is, there's that saying that you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I always say, who said, who said you can't have your cake and eat it too. If, if, yeah. you know, you're able to structure what you need to do, then yes, you can have kids. You can choose not to have kids. That's also okay. Yeah. You know, whatever you choose for your life is a choice for your life. And I think that's what we need to normalize choice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's nice to hear you say choice. And I think that's the one thing that it seems like right now it's like the the cultural climate and so much of what's going on is, is being hopefully moved towards is more choice. I do see so many different types of relationships now as far as how much each one works or who stays home or, or, or splitting up responsibility or, or doing things in different ways and adaptability to where the couple is in that season of life. Because it's even like there's times where it's like, okay, the man goes back to school for a bit and then he stays at home or um, even the, the woman decides she's going to go to school while she's pregnant or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so much more about what is our current situation and what works for us as a couple and how much we make and how much we're going to spend on childcare and all these other things. And even who's got better insurance um, yep. versus just versus just the male always works, the woman always um, whatever 
Exactly. So yeah, I, I, I mean, and I, I love that you said that just normalize whatever's best for your life and your family, your situation, do that. You know, instead of yeah. having these like boxes that you check as like, Oh, okay, well now it's time that I get married. Well, now it's time I have a kid yeah. and now it's time that, I, yeah. you know, instead of having all these boxes, you know, all the boxes are not necessarily meant for everyone, you know? And it's, yeah. you know, I grew, I grew up, in a very kind of traditional environment that, you know, it, it was kind of the thing you did. You got married, you had your kids, the mom stayed home. And again, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you choose. But yeah. I think it was, you know, it took me a while to kind of realize that, you know, I had drive outside of that. And because I, I kind of held myself back for a while because I thought, well, I'm, I'm married and I have kids, so I can't. <laughs> You know, I can't do that. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of this internal monologue that I have with myself just based on what I had seen, you know, and yeah. I think a lot of times we fall into these things because of how we are raised and our environment. And those yeah. those things can be great as far as like giving us a foundation for lots of things, but they also can be damaging if it's kind of forming the way that we are, you know, approaching life, because I think that's what ends up causing not only dissatisfaction, but depression and anxiety and, you know, all these other mental yeah. health issues because, you know, we're not living our true authentic life as our true authentic selves. And I think, you know, being able to embrace, you know, who we are, how we think, what we choose to do is the way that we are able to become, you know, whole humans. Yeah. I wonder if along the way some, some breaking up has to happen, breaking up with our parents, breaking up with our past, breaking up with the idea of, of what things are supposed to look like. And I say that because um, I forget who I was listening to. They, they've been doing marriage counseling for years and years, like one of those uh, famous people. But they talked about the biggest struggle that many people face in marriages is that they've learned what a marriage should be from their parents. Yeah. And it's the unspoken expectations the woman in the household always does this. If you love me, you will cook dinner. As the yep. man, if you love me, you will take out the trash. As the, and it's these things that we yep. grew up learning, grew up learning. Um, as the woman, you should sacrifice your career, your passion, your purpose for the man because that's what my mom did. And, yeah. and we learn these things like as little kids. They're so ingrained into us that unless we consciously take a second to look at these beliefs and say, okay, like we learn our map of the world and the way things should be by the time we're seven. Sometimes it exists until 12. Sometimes there's still things we're cramming in, but it, it's that same way with, with ourselves. And even as a coach, a lot of what I do is teach people how to live for themselves rather than all the things that were told to them as a little kid, be a good boy. Being a good boy means doing this. It means always, always. And it's yeah. like, there's these things, and it's one of the three main things that messes people up in life is trying so hard to live and fit into the life and the patterns that they think their parents wanted for them. And even people whose parents have passed away, a lot of times are still trying to live out the life that their parents wanted for them rather than actually going after the life they want for themselves. Absolutely. And I think sometimes that they don't even know what life they want for themselves because they've never been able to have that free thought. And, and, and you know, I'm not knocking on like all of our parents because yeah, I think they were doing yeah, the yeah, best yeah. 
you know, with what they had, you know, kind of to work with, because, you know, I don't think there was a lot of these discussions going on. And even if they were, we didn't have access to them like we do now all over the place, you know? So I think, you know, it was very, if there was, you know, some of these kind of rebirths, you know, for lack of a better word, going on within family units to understand, you know, the, the importance of giving people choice and not putting stereotypes and like all these things. A lot of our parents and grandparents didn't have access to those, those things. So, you know, I I think it's important to, you know, make sure and kind of note that, you know, we're not throwing anybody under the bus here, but, but at some point in time, we do have to take kind of responsibility and say, okay, well, what do we need to do different? Because my oldest child's 22, my youngest child, that just went over there. She's four. She just turned four. And I'm a completely different parent than I was with my oldest children. You, you learn. Yeah. And, you know, I, I jokingly, my 22 year old will sometimes call and she'll say, well, you would have never, you would have never. And I'm like, you were my guinea pig yeah. child. <laughs> you know, yeah. I had no idea yeah. what I was doing yeah. because yeah. we don't, you know, as, yeah. as parents, you know, you get this baby and you bring them home and it's like, you don't know what you're doing. You're just trying to keep them alive, you know, yeah. and keep yourself alive yeah. at the same time. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you, you do make mistakes. You're never going to be the perfect parent or the perfect spouse or the perfect significant other. You're never going to be the perfect anything. But I think, you know, much to your point, a lot of these experiences, um, even if they cause pain, you know, even if it's stuff that, you know, went through as a kid that caused pain that, you know, maybe been through as an adult that caused pain, you know, pain can be a teacher. You do need to, you know, heal from it. I think that is a very important step, but pain can be a teacher. And I could go on and on about some of the stuff that I've been through in the past. And a lot of my normal listeners have heard a lot of my stories, but, you know, I'm to a place now of my healing that I can honestly look back and say, I'm thankful for every single thing that I went through. And if I kind of made a itemized list of some of the stuff, you you know, a lot of people would be like, you're completely insane, Maria, you know, but I am because all of those experiences have made me who I am today. So, you know, when we think about, well, my parents never would let me do this, or they told me that I should do this. And now, you know, this is my life. At some point in time, we have to say, no, you have control of changing your life and your future. Yeah, stuff sucked. And maybe you wish things had gone different, whatever. It doesn't matter. Today, you have the choice to start on a different path. You may not have the choice to take some big leap and, you know, do all the things you want to do, you know, today, but you've got the choice to take that first step to take that first mindset to say, I'm going to do things different. That first mindset to say, to say, yeah, they told me I should, but here's what I'm going to do instead, because only you get to decide what you should do. I think a thing that's been coming up for me as you were talking there is even making that choice is with technology, our choices are growing exponentially and our opportunities are, and even if you had told your parents uh, when they raised you that how you would make money today, it would blow their mind. Like when I tell my parents, even just talk to them, I, I literally talk to people on a video screen and they pay me hundreds or thousands of dollars. You know, like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous yeah. concept. Or I, I put a picture of myself up and I type some words underneath it. And people either resonate with it and we set up a time chat or we don't. Like they were preparing us for whatever world uh, they were raised in. And even if you look at 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, like growth is exponential. 
Like it's exponential. Like there are people right now, like even friends are like, I'm a musician and I don't know what to do for money. And I'm like, cool, go on Facebook live, play for, play for free, put your cash app down there and let people just busk, um, virtually, you know, same way you would on the street corner. And it's like, just to say, okay, I could turn on my camera and get paid to do the thing that my parents would always tell me, stop practicing the guitar. It'll never make you any money. You'll be a poor musician. And now you're getting paid to do that. It's like, there's so many more options now and they're exponentially increasing all over the world. Absolutely. And I think that is a great thing as far as being able to kind of think outside of the box on, you know, if you're not sure what you want to do, because I end up having people that come to me, they know they want to do something, you know, they've got this purpose burning, but they can't really identify it. Not yet. They know it's there, you know, and they may see like a little glimmer of, of a part of it, but they don't know exactly, you know, what it is. I always tell people, you know, we're living, like, like you said, in such an age where you can, you can try, you can try this. Let's see how it works. Let's beta test it out. You know, let's yeah. see how it works. Get the feedback from that and tweak it. You know, nobody starts out and launches anything and it's perfect day one. You know, it doesn't happen. And, and honestly, it's, there's lots of times you can be doing something for a long time and it's not going to be perfect. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I think people get this idea that they're going to wait to do something when the time is right, when they have it perfected, you know, all these other coin phrases and yeah. number one, the time's never going to be right. And when you think it is, something else is going to happen and you'll realize it's not right. And number two, perfection's a verb. You know, perfection is the idea of perfecting over time. And that's not something, you know, that is a destination. I think somehow a lot of people get it in their mind that it's this destination. Well, when I perfect it then, you know, and it's kind of like, well, you know, perfection is something you're constantly going to be doing. You know, what I'm doing in my business today, you know, I'm going to have probably a more perfected version of it next year because you constantly are tweaking and refining. And, you know, and I think, you know, being able to share a lot of those things, I think is important to allow people to kind of come into their own journey and realize that it doesn't matter, you know, what age they are at this point. It doesn't matter their, you know, where they're at as far as in the job force, you know, if they're just starting out with something that's been their passion for a long time and they haven't really pushed into it, that's okay. Yeah. And I really like what you said about perfection is a verb or to perfect over time, it's a verb. And it's, um, it's funny because now that I'm like an entrepreneur or I guess second time and I've like learned so many more lessons just doing it on my own. Um, I help a lot of other people start businesses and I, I laugh so much when people um, say, well, I've got to get this thing right before I get started. And I say, I know people that are five years in and are still uh, tweaking that thing, still testing that thing, still moving that thing around. And even like, I've got to figure out my niche or my ideal avatar. And I'm like, your ideal avatar is going to change multiple times over the course of your life and even yeah. this business. And it's, um, it's something that I really like. I heard uh, TD Jake say one time is so many people are afraid of getting it wrong. But even if you take a step, even if it's not the thing, it will be the thing that leads to the thing. Even Absolutely. you doing something might show you one specific thing that happens in it and you say, oh, that, that's the thing out of all this, that 2% of the time I spent coaching this person when we talked about this one thing, that was the thing that I loved. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that can be kind of drilled back sometimes to personality on things because I've, I've always been, you know, slightly hyper, you know, adrenaline junkie. I've always been a jumper. So I'm like, "Mm, let's try it. I learn best kind of on the go, you know, let's try it. You get it good enough and, you know, launch it out. And, you know, I've, I've taught classes actually that's called ugly launch because again, and it's much to those people. There's a lot of people that sit and they just tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak. And I heard somebody say one time, I don't remember who it was now, but the, the, the quote done is more profitable than perfect. And I heard that years ago and that just like, you know, just like branded in my brain because we all have those little things that we, we obsess over. Even if we are those jumpers, we have those little items that we obsess over um, because we, we wonder how it's going to be perceived. And, you know, I always, you know, challenge people to go ahead and just forget it. And if, and if you are self-conscious about it, launch it out there anyway and say, all right, I'm not sure about this part, but tell me all, you know, what you think, what do you think about it? Get that feedback yeah. and then tweak it accordingly. Because, you know, most people, I mean, there are the jerks out there, but for the most part, most people are understanding on the fact that when you just create something that you're creating it from your own image of it. And so it's not going to be necessarily the way that everybody's going to perceive it. And most people are understanding on that fact. So tell everybody, because I know we're kind of running short on time here, tell everybody kind of a little bit about exactly what you do. And then, you know, if somebody wanted to have a chat with you, you know, talk with you anymore, work with you, whatever, where they could reach you. Exactly. I do. So right now I'm launching another men's group. And a big part of it is, like I said, taking men from trying to get it right, not fully knowing their passion, people pleasing. Um, showing up in the world and, and just kind of feeling lost from there to, to purpose and, and to the type of leader to where they can show up in situations, be themselves, be authentic, and live the life that they want to live, especially from a place of purpose. And it's a program that I run. It's three months long, and it really teaches so many of the lessons of masculinity that aren't taught uh today anywhere else, how to become a heart-centered leader, how to actually understand finances and money and um, set yourself up for the future, how to, uh, the four levels of trust and what does it really mean to be able to build trust with other people and to show up and to to create those trusting relationships. And um, if people want to find me, they can find me at Facebook, Ben Steinbacher, or Instagram, Ben underscore Steinbacher underscore. Um, and that's S-T-E-I-N-B-A-C-H-E-R. And um, that's my bread and butter and what I mainly do. But if, if there's anything here that's resonated, I'm happy just to hop on a call to anyone for 15, yeah. 20 minutes. I love just adding value. Um, there's so many women that I've coached along, uh, women that I've coached and still that I enjoy coaching. Honestly, it's such a breath of fresh air my female clients compared to all the, the work I do with men. So I just love serving, giving, providing. If there's anything um, I can do to uh, potentially help in that arena, um, I'm happy to do so. And even especially as a coach, I think um, the thing that I've really discovered is that being great at what you do is only 50%. If you don't understand marketing and business, you, you don't really have a shot. And that's yeah. the biggest thing that I help a lot of entrepreneurs with is um, a lot of them are so excited and so passionate about what they do, and they just keep trying to make their product better and better. And I say, that's great. Some of the best products in the world are, are in the trash right now. And, and that person 
lived and died and, and it never really took off. And um, just understanding humans and how we are story beings and what marketing and sales actually means and, and how it all connects to uh, success in business is huge. I agree 100%. And people that are on here that listen on a regular basis, they know my big preach on story-driven, emotional-driven marketing because, yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. There's, there's, I mean, there's amazing products out there and services out there, but there's like a hundred of each thing that you think is so unique. There's like a hundred other people plus that do exactly what you do. So, you know, what sets you apart? Really connect on that human level. And I think the emotion the connection is where it's at. And I really, I, I love that your personality on things and kind of your insight on things, especially from the, the male perspective, um, because, you know, as a female, I mean, I've got a husband and I, sometimes I don't even know what he thinks. So it's like, you know, I think sometimes we're questioning, you know, each other like, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on there, but so I really appreciated having you on and I will make sure that um, whenever this gets reposted that we I put the um, information to be able to contact Ben in the show notes and okay. you know, that way they fellas or, or ladies, whoever wants to reach out and have a chat and find out more about what you do. I think it's very important um, topics that we discussed today and I've had a great time. Yeah. I know you have questions. I don't have answers.